Welcome to Hit for Six, week two of the lockdown. Uh, we're back for another week. Uh, it's myself, Rob Stallman, and with me, as always, Michael Kiniston. Michael, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Rob. Very good. Lovely weather. Um, very excited to be on this. And yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well. The weather's almost depressing, though, isn't it? Really it is frustrating that the lockdown saw, at the exact same time, the start of really nice British, you know, spring, early summer. That is frustrating, I agree. Um, especially when no one to play cricket with. Well, exactly. And all I can see happening now is we're going to have the most beautiful April, May, June, July. They lift lockdown in August. We have six weeks of cricket and it rains through the whole of August. The wettest <laughs> August on, wet, on record. Uh, and it's going to be, be no cricket for anyone. That's, my, that's what's so depressing for me. I sounds about be, right. You know, be a, I think we'd have a pre-season game or something at this point at my club and I'd be playing. But instead I'm stuck in my bedroom wearing just my boxes talking to you about how I'd like to be playing cricket. Rather there than, have, rather there than have been some brilliant tweets from county cricketers. Um, what's his name? Nash, the Sussex opener, um, saying around this time I'd be sitting in a... Uh, Sitting in a travel lodge just off the motorway, getting ready to be uh, bowled out for naught by seven by a nineteen-year-old from Cambridge with a double-barreled surname tomorrow. Yeah. Um, that, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But hey, all we can do instead is reflect on past cricket at the moment and maybe look t- towards what cricket might be like in the future when it's gonna when it's gonna happen. So last week we uh, looked at Headingley. Uh, last summer, 2019, Stokes, uh, the, the, the miracle victory, um, real, a real victory snatched from the shores of defeat. Um, so we thought this time round that we'd have a little trip down memory lane to the other wonderful golden moment of cricket last summer, uh, the World Cup final, England beating New Zealand on a boundary comeback to win our first 50-over men's World Cup. Uh, where were you, Michael? So I had a really dramatic watching of it because um, my uh, so my girlfriend, I moved out to Dublin to work uh, work abroad there quite a long, almost a year ago, and um, to get as cheap flights as possible, I booked them far in advance. Very stupidly, I booked a flight to come home on the Sunday of the World Cup final months before, and I hadn't clocked it was the day of the World Cup final. So obviously, as England continued to get through the rounds, I'm delighted, but also filled with fear. Oh God, I'm going to have to work out how to. Um, how to play this and I ended up watching a fair chunk of it on my iPad streaming it from um, doing a hotspot from my phone from a bus from London Dublin city centre all the way to the airport then in Dublin airport still watching the iPad via the phone and then on the Ryanair flight which was obviously delayed and at the point of the Ryanair flight watching on my iPad I had about six seven English lads all crowded around me watching it and when it got announced the flight was gonna be delayed for 55 minutes huge cheers go up because it meant we'd be in the air during the lunch interval or during the mid-innings break. So, yeah, that was me watching it. And then I just sprinted home from Stansted as fast as possible. And I got back home to West London, I think we were about 90 for four, just before Morgan got out caught in the deep. And, yeah, then obviously watched it and it was incredible. How about you, Rob? Uh, well, I was hoping that I'd be, when I woke up in the morning, I was going to be there. I was going to be at Lord's. Uh, lucky enough to become an MCC member in the... Uh, Start of the year 2019, but unfortunately, had missed the ballot for World Cup final tickets that happened in October 2018. Uh, mm. My dad was convinced that uh, some old cogger of an MCC member was going to call in sick on the day uh, and would tell the club he couldn't use his ticket and there'd be a club re- waiting for returns. So, dad left home at 5 a.m., 
yeah. is at Lords for for like before six. First in and first to the returns, waiting, waiting, waiting. We might be maybe actually I think he was quite first, second or third in the queue. Sadly, unsurprisingly, not one ticket returned. And so, um, alas, was having woken up with always hope that I'd be there, I wasn't. Biggest yeah. regret of my life, possibly. Um, but as a result, I just watched it at home, um, on the TV, uh, in my flat. And um, ah, it was just wonderful. This kind of sat there, um, literally with a pillow up over my eyes from about ball one or two <laughs> um, until, until it came to an end. Uh, with um, Sophia, uh, my wife, kind of, she was convinced that... Uh, I basically know nothing about cricket because I kept saying, oh, we've lost, we've lost. So I think um, particularly once um, towards the end, once uh, um, Butler got out and it was looking... Oh, you gave up hope at that point. Oh, well, I gave up hope early. I gave up hope once you know, Roy was out, Bairstow was out, Root got out, you know, and when um, Morgan got caught in the deep, I was like, okay, right, this is it. Um, we're not going to yeah. win. We've lost. And I was like, oh, we might do it, we might do it. And then Josh got out, oh, we're going to lose. Oh, we might do it. Oh, we and then that last over, those early dot balls, like, oh, we've, definitely, we've definitely lost now. We've definitely lost. Tell, so, so for me, I didn't lose hope until the, the point I lost hope was just before we got the bonus runs when it bounced off Stokes' bat. Um, so those three, yeah, you're right, those first two dot balls, that's when I properly lost my hope. Because actually, the point where Butler got out, Obviously, messages are flying back and forth from friends watching it. Almost all of my friends who are watching this game were saying at that point, it's done, it's over. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, it's definitely not over. Just because Butler's out. Like, the tail can bat, in theory. And Stokes is still... At that point, you know, I was still pretty hopeful. I only really lost hope with those first two dots. And I thought, well, that is it. And then, obviously, a miracle intervention, depending on which perspective you are, uh, came in. But I'll tell you what, I could have... Miraculous. I mean, I just think the, I'm well, I'm only 24, but I've watched a lot of cricket and I've played a lot of cricket. Um, and I've seen some odd things happen. I've seen some terrible things happen with overthrows, all that kind of thing. But never have I seen someone throw it from, particularly from that distance out and land it that flushly on the bat. So it races off to the boundary like it did with Guptill onto Stokes' bat as they were coming back for the second. If they tried it a thousand times, they couldn't do it. Like that, that that is that is how unlikely it is, you know. Michael, do you have a belief in the um? Are you are you uh have a kind of hold some concept of like Machiavelli's idea of fate? Was it fate? <laughs> I'm not too well read up on Machiavelli actually, but I can agree that it did feel a bit like fate on the day. Um, but you maybe can give a slightly more academic interpretation. Well, I I do think and maybe it's an interesting point in these times we live in that we're um, we're fools to think that we can really control our lives. And there is an aspect that we are at the um, will and whim of, of, of something. Um, or, I mean, not necessarily something, um, you know, intelligent, but there's definitely there's powers beyond our control. And there are, there are times when, uh, with um, I mean, that World Cup final, where you just felt everything's against New Zealand, particularly towards the end. Um, you know, the Trent Bolt catching it, stepping on the rope, the Martin Guptill overthrow, granted. But just so many little little things where you just felt maybe it's just not, not even at the start. Um, England, I mean, England didn't get off to a, a brilliant start batting, but Roy got, what, 17, I think, Bairstow got mid-30s. You're right. They, they, they bat on it. Matt Henry was bowling so well, so was Trent Bolt. And yet, I mean, 
given how well they bowled, we could have been three, four down in the first few overs, and, and yet we weren't. And there were so many, mm-hmm. oh, but, oh, but just when New Zealand was just consistently so unlucky, and England so lucky, encapsulated by the, the overthrow onto the Battle of Stokes, racing away for the boundary. Even that whole idea of Darmacino, what should it only have been five, not six? I mean, the over before, Trent Bolt taking that catch, and yeah, then taking exactly. two steps back, he'd back himself to take that 10 times out of 10. It wasn't even that near the rope. It was like he was almost showboating because he'd taken the catch. Do you see what I mean? Because the expression on his face was like he didn't know the rope was there. Yeah, he didn't realise. He, he thought he was further in than he, he was. Yeah, so again, incredibly lucky. You know, Stokes should have been gone at that point. That would have been it. Wouldn't even got to the miracle overthrow. So, you know, you're right. It felt like absolutely everything was going our way. Incredibly so. Um, and quite sad it happened against New Zealand, has to be said, because New Zealand are probably, you know, the side that nobody dislikes in world cricket. But if so, my, so your dad was there, Rob. So was, um, so was my dad. And he's got a spot that he likes sitting in there. And I think he, he got very early to get there. And you can see, I think the Telegraph the next day did a massive double spread of yeah, England yeah. world champions. And you can see all the MCC members standing, cheering at the moment. Um, I think it was either the win or the overthrows, it's probably the win, like the winning the win, run. Yeah. yeah, and um, you can see one man sat in the front row, in the very middle of the rows, of the, in front of the pavilion, sat that down. In the bottom tier. Yeah, yeah. Looking, looking crestfallen. And that is David Kiniston, because he just felt so bad for New Zealand and so torn with such inner conflict about it. And, um, and I remember at the time texting my mum saying, I bet dad's not even happy. She went, oh, give him some credit. Of course he's happy. And then he obviously showed me his photo the next day. And it was just typical. Absolutely. But there was something, wasn't it? I did feel, I mean, obviously I felt nothing but joy at the time. But then you think about it, you do feel that pang for New Zealand. I, yeah, I mean, I, I do, particularly given the last World Cup, I know they got pumped in that World Cup final by Australia, but they still they made the World Cup final two times in a row. And, you know, the whole idea of, which I, as I know, we've, um, I've spoken to many people about, I, I'm not convinced by this whole idea that you can play sport the right way. But if there is supposedly a right way to play cricket, certainly a right attitude to take the cricket, you feel like New Zealand embody that. And, and for me as a, a medium pacer watching Colin de Gronholm bowl one for 25 and <laughs> his 10 overs in a World Cup final was I mean that was worthy of them winning it alone and so um, is a hero he is oh, a hero he's amazing he's an amazing player in so many ways uh, <laughs> and it, it it was tough on them but I um, but I, I don't I, not often do I spare too much of a, a thought for them because I was just so happy we won I know I probably should but I just so, so- delighted that we we won and of course you know from an English cricket fans point of view I can't remember most of these but we've got a pretty rotten record in ICC finals lost both Champions Trophy finals we've been in one from two in the World T20 final of course the 2016 one with Carlos Brathwaite smoking Stokes to all corners um was a Uh, memory fresh in my mind we'd lost three World Cup finals before this it did feel like England it was happening again. deserved to win a World Cup. And we've been also feeling at the time like it was happening again, didn't it? What was that, sorry, Michael? I was just saying it did feel at the time like it was happening again. It felt like we've got so close and we're doing it again. We're messing it up again. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The joy of actually getting over the line. And was... particularly what a good team we had. So, like, some of the Champions, like the Champions Trophy final we lost was 2013, I think it was to India. 
you know, it was it was fairly average. Like Alistair Cook, obviously a legendary player, but not a not a brilliant one day player. Um, Ravi Ravi Moore was, was doing bits of the ball. It just, you know, it wasn't like, but this you felt this was the team that was meant to win the World Cup. They'd almost rewritten the rule book about what it meant to play one day cricket in that kind of way. They were the hosts, they were the tournament favourites, they'd looked down and out, they'd come back, they'd beaten India, they'd thrashed Australia in the semis. And then to so leave. This was the project. You know, it was the project that got set out four years ago and it, was, and it came to fruition. Yeah, and exactly. And it had that kind of. The, to compare to like rugby in 2003, a similar sense of the project laid out, we're going to do ways a new way, we were the best team by a mile. And the idea of them not winning it, it just kind of it didn't, it just would have been so, so tragic and sad and typically English for us to be good, but not quite good enough. And just also worth a shout again to New Zealand, clearly it was that we took a lot of what they displayed in the... Um, 2014 World Cup, um, so 2015 World Cup. Um, their attacking, their attacking attitude, the way Brendan McCullum led from the front, opening the batting, and we, you know, I know you said it was sort of like we we reinvented the rule book, which we did to a large extent. But I think we kind of followed on from what from the, from the, the way they'd led. So again, incredible that the two the, those are the two sides that met, and it's an unbelievable final. You know the people. Um, Master and the Apprentice switched around all this. Um, and I would actually just say, is it worth zeroing in on, we've done the where were you during the World Cup final, but what was your reaction at the point? You know, it's hit the bat, it's run all the way for four, past Gupta. What was your reaction at that point? Uh, I think, to quote me, I said, no, no, I don't believe it. Sophia, I can't believe it. I think I'm going to cry. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. It was something along those lines with kind of panic and, um, and I think, I, yeah, I, at that point I started crying. Um, I, didn't, I didn't stand up again. I just kind of whimpered every time a ball was bowled. And when it went to the super over, I think I said, I, I can't do this. I think I'm going to be sick. Um, it was all along those lines. I, was, I, was, I didn't enjoy any of the day. Normally with cricket and limited overs cricket can be, well, any cricket can be a little bit of a letdown sometimes if it's kind of the writings on the wall from very early. So my dad always remembers the 1999 Cricket World Cup final where, you know, Australia was so rampant. They, they won, it was, it was over by 2pm. It's a bit of a rubber, they can be a bit of a letdown of a game. But what's great is when they're a good game like this, they build to a climax. Um, but this was a game from, right from the start, you felt it was going to, Build to a climax. So even um, right, you know, from ball one, I felt I felt ill, um, and it never quite went away. Occasionally, it subsided when it felt we were um, starting to get on top. When when uh, when Wood got Taylor out LBW, I felt a bit kind of more relaxed. And maybe once best they started hitting a couple of boundaries, I thought, you know what, maybe we might do this. But basically, I felt sick throughout, and it just got worse and worse to the point where uh, for the last. Um, you know, last half an hour or so, that kind of last five overs and into the super over. I was, I didn't enjoy any moment of it. I was, yeah, I think I felt sick. I think for me, the point where I started getting genuinely worried and started really feeling sick, because obviously it was a bit of a weird way for me to be watching it kind of on an iPad when I get the signal kind of in and out, otherwise radio. So I don't think the tension was able to build for me as much until I was really able to sit down in Putney and watch from 84. Um, and that was when I really started to feel sick and stressed and I couldn't sit down. 
But for me, the point where I really thought, oh, oh no, this is going to be, this is actually going to be really difficult, is Root. And the role that Root played throughout that tournament, you know, was the go out and run a ball, steady things down. When Root was playing so scratchily, couldn't get the ball off the square, couldn't rotate the strike. And then when he got out, what, for like, what was it, six, seven off quite a few balls? Like, it wasn't a good inning. Yeah, it was a lot of balls. And at, that, and, at that, and at that point, I thought, oh, if, Root, if Root can't, you know, find the gaps, this is going to be really tight. Because that was kind of my hope. Root was just going to come in and play a really steady 60 off 70. Um, so that was Which was all it really required, really, wasn't it? Which, interestingly, is actually what Stokes and Butler ended up doing uh, when they're the ones who you expect to be the more dynamic players and the ones who are kind of going to... They calmed it down. They calmed it down. Morgan's shot was pretty awful. I will say that yeah. was really disappointing. Um, it's one of those, the only man uh, captain, like, come on. It's a bit of a who cares. It's one of those, you get those moments like where at the time you think that is as bad a mistake as you're going to make in your career. You, know, you kind of think, so going to that rugby World Cup final, Ben Kay dropped the ball over the line. 2012 Champions League final, Didier Dogba gave away a penalty in extra time. But these things just get forgotten. So Owen Morgan holding out in the deep. Um, you know, Lockie Ferguson taking that great catch, diving forward. It's all just forgotten because ultimately, what do you remember those people for? Well, Ben Cape on a World Cup winning team, Didier Drogba, the hero of that final, and Owen Morgan, the World Cup winning captain, the man who helped revolutionise one day cricket in, in this country for good. Yeah. Um, no, 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 uh, you're absolutely right. People don't, you don't remember when you win, you don't remember the mistakes when you win, when you win that big. Um, and particularly I, win those key games, those games where all that matters really at the end of the day is winning. Like, who, yeah. who cares how? Obviously, it means we cheated or something. It would be a bit different. But you kind of, for me, it doesn't, I don't really care. In fact, it's always sweeter that we won in such a ridiculous way on a boundary countback because all that really matters is that uh, we won it because that's what we yeah, need. I, I couldn't stand all of that, you know, stuff about, oh, the boundary rule was not fair. Oh, actually, it was mistakenly signalled that it should have been five runs instead of six. Well, all of this nonsense, oh, England shouldn't have actually won it because actually it doesn't matter because if, that, if those things had changed, the situation would have changed slightly. If England had known they needed two to win off the final ball rather than one to win, Stokes probably would have launched that full toss into the stands from Trent Bolt. You know, things change. So that, that, all that I didn't have any time for any of that. I remember when, the, uh, when it went off the bat, I was watching with two friends, Nick and Niall, my housemate Nick and then my friend Niall, and, um, who I'm sure will probably come on this podcast sooner or later because they went to work and they went on Hit for Six, um, the radio show. But yeah, I remember we just sort of, there was a stunned silence, about two, three seconds, and then we all just sort of roared. So no sportsmanship there, you know, no feeling sorry for New Zealand there. Just when we realised the runs were going to count, sheer joy and release of tension. Um, which is how we responded because suddenly the game was alive again wasn't it yeah well in fact and then um, yeah almost it completely turned on that because then it was England to surely win and we somehow yeah. didn't with the game to the Super Over uh, it's just one of those days it was, it was, it was that last half hour um, I tell you what I couldn't sleep I mentioned this on the last podcast but I couldn't sleep I didn't get to sleep until about 3am I, I, I just I was so I it's the same for you but the adrenaline was still yeah. pumping for me I got to sleep okay, but um, I then went downstairs briefly to say hi to my dad in the flat below the flat I was living at the time. My cousin and her husband lived there and they had these friends around. And I was basically incredibly rude to their friends um, because their friends didn't really like cricket. And I was so on a high and pumped from England winning. So I just ended up just having to leave. 
because I was like, I've got to celebrate with someone. I've got to let off steam somehow. Uh, and the adrenaline was just, yeah, so high that I acted completely out of character. Um, and her friends, who I've only ever met once, probably think I'm a complete arse, and rightly so. Um, just because of, it is one of those days, the 14th of July, 2019. Well, well you're, right. you're right. I think after that, speaking to someone who didn't care about cricket and wasn't able to realise quite how momentous a day it had been, would be very, very challenging. I got, you know, I can't, that's probably a mark of it. I can't remember what I did between the moment we won and the, before I went to bed. I have no idea what happened. Um, I think... I, I, I drank two bottles of champagne. Not just me. <laughs> so I cracked one open with Sophia, and then I opened another one and went downstairs to celebrate with them, but they weren't quite so enthused by the whole thing, which kind of popped my, burst my bubble, and hence my hilarious and rather rude outburst. <laughs> um, but Mike, there was one last thought on this. They've been replaying it pretty much on full on TV. Yeah. Um, are you one for watching back full sporting events? I just think, you know, take this World Cup final, suddenly those middle overs of Liam Plunkett bowling cross, um, cross seam and Colin de Gronholm bowling wobblers aren't quite as exciting as they were at the time because you know what happened at the end? Or do you no. think it's still worth watching the whole thing back in full? No, you know what? I mean, one, I love Sky Sports, so it kind of moves the auction for me. But no, I'm not really. Well, I prefer, I'm more of a highlights person. Highlights and match reports, going back and reading the match reports. Um, and then YouTube, my friend, um, watching the highlights. Song. I don't. You, you can tell that you're a, a child of a, of, of a writer, given I like going back and reading the match reports. That's my favourite form of reminiscing. Anything written by Jonathan Liu, you know, just anything, but that's pure poetry, isn't it? So I was just reading uh, his match report of it. And it's exactly how we just described it. He says he can remember moments, but not the whole thing all at once. Because these moments are seared into your brain, you know, it's different key match moments. So yeah, how about you? Do you like watching back the whole thing? Um, can't, I, no, not really. Some sports more than others. So as I said I think rug, rugby's okay, but, but cricket and football, no. I mean, it's a, it's a big commitment. I'm going to sit down and watch all hundred overs of cricket. Well, 102 in this case with the with the super overs. Um, I, and so actually, yeah. I, it, it just actually becomes, I think, a little bit dull. And likewise with football, I love an extended highlights. I love a, a half an hour highlights for a football game. But watching the full 90 minutes, there's a lot of, when you know the result, there's a lot of kind of just passing around, not much happening, bit of a yeah. stalemate, even in a thrilling game. So um, I watched about pretty much the whole Europa League final a couple of weeks ago. Chelsea beat Arsenal 4-1. And as a Chelsea fan, that's great. There's five goals in it. It's an entertaining game. But it was... Uh, it was dull, ultimately, because, because I knew what happened. And that kind of that suspense that what's going to happen next as sport is uh, it's, it's, it's something we miss out on. If the occasion demands it, but I think on the whole, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Are you suffering from county cricket withdrawal symptoms during the coronavirus lockdown? If so, we at Hit for Six have just the remedy. Cricket Captain 2019 is our top recommendation for dispelling those quarantine blues. Well, at the moment, as we briefly talked about last week, it is the only cricketing action I'm getting. It's my only access to county cricket is um, living it through virtual lens of being uh, the captain and coach of Northamptonshire. Yeah. Uh, which got me thinking, Michael, I, I therefore kind of desperately this morning Googled county cricket and, and stumbled across an excellent article in The Guardian by, uh, by Jonathan Liu, basically talking about how like odd it is that county cricket season which should have started last week isn't taking place will it take place at all 
Uh, and this thing is going to wind a discussion about, A, what an odd competition it is in so many ways. It runs through the whole summer, um, but has no one really goes. Well, not a huge number of people go to it. Uh, it's not really watched on TV. Uh, but yet so many of us still kind of loosely follow it or, or care about it. But we don't kind of attend. It's almost like this, this zombie of a competition or, you know, with like rigor mortis that it's there. And if it ever went, we'd be um, so upset. But if it, but we kind of don't do much to keep it alive or really value or cherish it. And so his, his point was, and we'll, we'll post the article on, a, on our Twitter page a bit later. I do recommend people reading it. Is, um, well, is county cricket going to stay in its form, particularly the county championship? You know, we've got the 100 coming in, the 2020 blast, I imagine will continue. But is the, um, the four-day cricket, I much love first-class cricket, with the 18 counties, going to really stay? Or is it is coronavirus really going to mark the, the end of it forever? I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on, that, on that are, Michael. So when I read the article, Rob, which, as you said, was really good, when I read it, I was struck by... I was struck by when he said, you know, it's treated like the unloved jar of pickle. You know, you show it to the back of the fridge and you forget about it. And is the fact that, you know, it's being completely sidelined. It will be completely sidelined for this season. I mean, next year, do they think, do we still need this? And I was thinking, actually, for me, the approach to it is you take any romantic stuff out of it, even though there's a huge amount of romanticism, you know, justifiably attached to county championship. Um, and actually, you think about what is it providing that's absolutely crucial. And to me, the main angle of that is the fact that it, produ- it prepares all of our players for Test cricket. Um, and Test cricket is still something that the English public still hugely care about. It still sells out, you know, pretty much wherever it goes across the country. It still brings in money for ECB, which is a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, it's huge still, you know, it brings a huge amount of money. If it was on free-to-air television, it'd bring in a huge amount of viewers, as it is on Sky, and it still brings in you know, a lot more viewers than the other forms of cricket on Sky. Um, so from that, from that side of it, international cricket is absolutely crucial, test cricket is crucial, and county championship is the preparing ground for it. You know? If we didn't have that county championship game, our players wouldn't you know, be able to learn how to bat long, you know, how to bowl to plans at a high level. So for me, it's almost... It can't be lost because without it, you wouldn't have the next step up. But then, how do you make it sustainable? But then, is it, I just wonder whether how fit for purpose it is in preparing people for Test cricket because we've seen, we've finally now with potentially the South Africa tour suggested we're starting to, particularly with our batting lineup, find players who might be able to cut it at, um, at Test level for an extended period of time. But there's so much of, so many of the players who are, are they great county players? They score lots of runs in county cricket. Uh, it just hasn't tested them enough at the highest level against the quickest bowlers, against excellent spinners. And you think of the long list of openers who've tried and failed to bat alongside Alistair Kirk and, and others who kind of, you know, someone like a Tom Wesley. I mean, he, he, he won the county championship as captain of Essex last year. Um, and yet was found to be massively out of place um, and out of his depth in Test cricket. Granted, he didn't get maybe as long ago as he could have done. But, but I wonder if even then, it's kind of, is it really fit for Test cricket? So I, is scoring against Leicestershire really say, well, you know, he can do it in, in Mumbai as well? In test well it's not really, is it? I'd push back on this a bit because obviously there was a long list of openers he failed. You couldn't cut the mustard um, when batting when batting at test level, and that jump up was too much. 
But then actually, I'd say a huge amount of that list of openers weren't the right people to be selected because I think at the time our selectors were more leaning for the uh, for the sexier options. You know, the, the the batters who batted faster, the Alex Hales, Moeen Ali got tried once, and there were a lot of conventional openers. You know, Adam Life, um, Sam Robson, the Surrey opener. What was his name? Stoneman. Mark so Stoneman. Sam Robson. Stoneman. Yeah, so there were a lot of conventional batsmen, but we also I think didn't pick sometimes, or we took too long to pick. The batsman who bats slow, bat time. And actually, Rory Burns finally got his chance. And he's not set the world at light in test cricket, but he's done pretty good. You know, average of low 30s, a couple of really good tons, particularly that first one against Australia. Dom Sibley has finally got his chance. Another one who's not going to empty the bars, rather he'll fill them, but he does bat time. And I think actually picking the right people from county cricket is really important. The other thing to consider, you know you said, is going 100 against Leicestershire, the right preparation. There is clearly a gulf between Div 2 and Div 1. Like, that's clear. And so you see so many players jumping from Div 2 clubs to Div 1 to boost their international chances. But I would make the case that some of Div 1 cricket is a pretty good, or as good as we have preparation for Test cricket. And we, you said in South Africa, it's starting to look like we're putting together a bit of a batting nucleus that can actually do it in Test cricket. And we, it's because we are picking the people most suited to it rather than trying to merge this one day in Test star, which I just think can't really work from the Test perspective. Um, so, yeah, that would be my pushback on that. But you're right. I mean, there is also clearly an argument to be had not good enough preparation, hence why we've been struggling for so long. Um, hopefully, not anymore. No. And I think Ollie Pope looks like an absolute gun. Yeah. And he. He's an interesting one. Um, it's a point that Peter, Kevin Peterson was making quite regularly um, on TalkSport when uh, he was commentating for, for them over the, over the winter, was that too many of these... Um, we've been picking guys in can cricket who are doing okay. They're averaging 40, 45 maybe, maybe even 50. But that really, the guys who are really of world-class calibre should be averaging more like 60, 65 in county cricket, as Ollie Pope was, which is why... Yeah. I mean, in, Peterson's mind, he's a, he was a, he's the standout young talent in the English test team. And guys like Sibley is, is good and he's solid and will do a job, but he's not a, a world beater because he's not dominant in that format. Um, which, and, and in that competition, which I think is interesting. And I, for me, though, I, I still think there's too much dilution of, the, of talent because there's too many counties. Uh, and one of my good friends is a big Derbyshire fan. Um, and he would kill me for saying this, but I, I just wonder whether some of those, yeah, Leicestershire, Derbyshire, Gloucestershire's, whether they're really, um, do we have too many counties? And whether they're, because they're certainly not financially. Uh, say what, how about this for, um, how about this for a suggestion? Could you have counties which don't do the first class side of it, which don't do the four day stuff? Could you have counties only focused on limited overs? Um, because uh, the article again mentioned that you know some of these counties are going to be really relieved they don't have to do the four-day cricket this summer because it loses money for them. And you know your beloved Northampton cricket captain, they are entirely geared towards being a T20 side in reality, aren't they? That is the format they are focused on doing well in, and they do well in it, and it yeah, brings in the money. And they've won it, you know, on a couple of occasions. And um, yeah, that's completely the, the, the focus. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And. Um, yeah, so maybe that would be, I mean, it seems to be whether some of those counties would be up for it. But of course, what about those, and I know there's not many of them, so in one sense, it kind of feels a bit relevant talking about them. But those county cricket, you know, those stakeholders, you know, members of these clubs, who those retired folk who live in Northampton and watch 
day after day of Div T cricket, all 30 of them or however many, you just feel it's such a betrayal of them to suddenly abandon 100 years of history um, because maybe because maybe we've just got a few too many counties. I, I'm so torn as a man who's probably naturally, you know, I'm, I'm no radical. I, I, I kind of don't want to scrap it, but at the same time, I almost feel we should cut six counties and have two divisions of six. Um, so it's yeah. fewer, there are fewer first-class cricketers, there are fewer counties playing it, and the standard's that much higher. And the game's going to happen not right at the start of April and right at the end of September, but you can put it, pack it all closer together and just make it, a better copy. Could there, be a way, could there be a way of sort of doing a hybrid of this where you don't betray the 30 odd, you know, absolute diehard veterans, um, but you do give counties the option to pivot more towards one day T20 if that's what they need to do? And could you have the option of having almost, you know, you've got your Div 1, Div 2 tiers at the moment. Could you make the tiers slightly pivoted so that the ones who wanted to take the four day cricket more seriously, um, which are generally the wealthier counties, could be um, could be could be in Div One, and then you'd have a Div Two, which has more once you want to focus just on T Twenty in one day. Obviously, this is completely me talking out my rear end, so got no idea of details or anything like that. But and then is there a way you could have maybe a promotion relegation system, so you could get promoted or reconsidered to be taking part in the four day game, if as and when it maybe suited a county more. I don't know some sort of degree of flexibility, and maybe in that second Div they don't completely rule it out. They don't completely stop playing it, but they play in far fewer four-day games. So you don't completely lose it, but you do lose a, a bit of it, and then you lose a bit of that financial difficulty they bring. Hey, yeah, I mean, I, I possibly, I mean, certainly, obviously, other sports, notably rugby league, have, have often done these things where you, you bid to become a like a, a club that's worthy of playing in the Super League, and you have to meet certain criteria, and you'd every few years and if you get relegated or you, you drop out you don't have an opportunity to rebuild over a longer period of time and then basically say yeah we're ready to be included again and then you have the opportunity to, to go up whether such a thing would work in cricket but I, but I wonder then if we just I, I mean I'm sure you and me are like and much of the English public are like that we, we prefer the longer format of cricket to the shorter formats of cricket and so is turning it into this kind of competition that only a few counties take part in is that just further devaluing it you know uh, you're, it's a legitimate argument to make it is further devaluing it i mean it is literally devaluing it by us even talking about the fact that can we just scrap it for in certain cases that is devaluing it but it's just hard decisions do need to be made don't they um and it's going to get even harder as a result of this complete loss of a season and loss of revenue um so I don't think any solution is going to meet universal approval, is the issue. Well, Obama, my only, my only other suggestion, which I would love to see them try, I don't see why they, why they don't just give it a try, is to pitch county cricket. We've kind of had a glimpse of it in the lockdown where life has slowed down and become almost so much more limited and less fast-paced because there's so many things we can't do anymore. But the county cricket is marketed as the antidote to the busy... Um, modern life where you know take a day of your annual leave where you're just going to go down and watch a day of county cricket where not a lot happens and it doesn't really matter hugely in the context of the wider season but it's just a great place to spend time and enjoy a wonderful sport whether if they try to completely reframe it rather than a desperate attempt to make everything shorter like the hundred and condense things for our shorter attention spans 
whether they took a gamble and tried to send it completely the other way and push counter cricket as that that great play way to spend the day off or that uh, or even uh, with all our working from home and working remotely setting up little workstations where you could maybe you know just for the day um, pop down with your laptop do a bit of work watch a bit of cricket have a beer yeah. um, I wonder if there's something if there's something in that um, whether maybe that the only other saviour for the county championship could be a, a recasting it as what the nation desperately needs but maybe isn't that fashionable huh. I think you're right in that. It needs complete repivoting, repivoting, remarketing, completely new package of what it is. And I think you know, back in the day when we were university students, we talked about this quite a lot on hit physics, didn't we? You know, our solutions to the cancer championship problem. You know, how can you get more people going? And I think we talked about things like it shouldn't be. You sh- they shouldn't be charging for anyone under the age of 21, for example, they sh- um, or under 18, whatever limit you want to put it, because you need to get people in, you need to get people hooked. And the amount of money that, like the five, they lose a bit of five pound revenue tickets, but they make it back up in bar sales inside. So I think there's all sorts of interesting ideas that you can try to get more people in. And I think because it's quite a, I don't know, cricket's a pretty traditional arena. I don't think there's ever been that much creative thinking about the four day game and how you can remarket it. So yeah, I'm sure there's, there's huge amounts you can do. Because all the money's been spent for marketing, 2020 and, and all that kind of thing and it's a great success so North, Northamptonshire when I briefly lived there I went to a couple of 2020 games and it was um it was fantastic it was great it was packed it was and I lived in a little, a little town a little way from Northampton and there were adverts there on buses and at bus stops and, and that kind of thing um and yeah. even on my on my you know even little things like on Facebook it was just uh obviously for people in the Northamptonshire area you know come down to watch Northamptonshire Derbyshire on this date it was well marketed well pushed and, and so maybe a bit of TLC to county cricket could save it after all. Who knows? I'm, I'm sure this won't be the last time we discuss it on this podcast. It's one of our favourite um, to- topics of conversation, isn't it? Isn't it, Michael? How can maybe we- one day they'll let us try and fix it. Who knows? Maybe. I think that would be uh, risky and possibly lead to the, the, the final <laughs> sad demise of county cricket. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you've got to take risks, Rob. Sometimes you do, but maybe not Maybe not that extent. Uh, look, well... Um, that's certainly all we've got time for this week. Michael, I hope you you stay safe and stay well, and I'll uh, speak to you next weekend. Absolutely. And just a message to everyone listening. Keep passing the pod. Tell your friends. You know, It's not just about cricket. There's great chat about everything else. Tell them that just so they start listening. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we're on iTunes now, aren't we? Uh, and a few other super- podcast providers, not all of them, but certainly a number of them. Search for Hit for Six, and you'll find a photo of me and you smiling in the rain at the Rose Bowl. Uh, and this wonderful podcast talking about the best game yeah. in the world while we can't play it or can't watch it because of this uh, this awful disease. Well, stay, stay safe, safe, mate. And stay see safe. You. Off the pod. <laughs>